Genesis chapter 14. And for some context, we will start in verse 17 and we'll go through to verse 24. Um, but our, the main focus of the message will be on the latter part of verse 20 uh, to the end of the chapter. Genesis chapter 14, starting in verse 17. After his return from the defeat of Ketelorimar and the kings who were with him, the king of Sodom went out to meet him, that is Abram, at the valley of Shaveh, that is the king's valley. And Melchizedek, king of Salem, brought out bread and wine. He was priest of God most high. And he blessed him and said, Blessed be Abram by God most high, possessor of heaven and earth. And blessed be God most high, who has delivered your enemies into your hand. And Abram gave him a tenth of everything. And the king of Sodom said to Abram, Give me the persons, but take the goods for yourself. But Abram said to the king of Sodom, I have lifted my hand to the Lord, God most high, possessor of heaven and earth, that I would not take a thread or a sandal strap or anything that is yours, lest you should say, I have made Abram rich. I will take nothing but what the young men have eaten and the share of the men who went with me. Let Aner, Ashkel, and Mamre take their share. This is the word of the Lord. Let's pray. Father, we thank you for your word. We thank you that you have chosen to reveal yourself to us through your word. And it is through your word that we know you have revealed yourself to us through your creation. And it's through your word that we know that you have revealed yourself to us in our dear Lord Jesus. And so, Father, even now as we spend time considering and meditating upon what it is you have revealed in your word, I ask that your Holy Spirit would just move in our midst. I pray that you will take away every distraction, and I pray that our hearts will be good soil to receive the implanted word, which is able to save our souls. We ask that our dear Lord Jesus would be exalted and lifted high. And that our trust in you would only increase in depth. And that our love for you would grow. That we will know you, the only true God in Jesus Christ whom you have sent. Father, I ask that you will speak through me. That the words of my mouth and the meditation of all of our hearts will be acceptable in your sight, O Lord, our rock and our redeemer. And it's in the precious name of our dear Lord Jesus we pray. Amen. Before she passed away, Queen Elizabeth owned the most amount of land out of anyone in the world. It's estimated that she owned 
billion acres. To be inherited by King Charles. Included in that 6.6 billion acres, it was Great Britain, Northern Ireland, Canada, Australia, and far more. It's a lot of land. If we bring it a little bit closer to home, we don't have any land barons who own that much land. But in Montana, there are a couple of brothers who own 278,001. We can't forget the last one, Acres. It's the Ferris and Dan Wilkes brothers, billionaires who own that much land in eastern Montana. It's the 11th most amount in the U.S., But in addition to them, Montana also boasts Ted Turner. Ted Turner, and it's not all in Montana, but it's in Idaho and a few different nation, uh, a few different states. He boasts two million acres of land. It's a lot of land. Worth a lot of money. Additionally, Montana boasts of Dennis Washington, who has $6.3 billion. He's the 390th richest person in the world, and he lives in Missoula. It's interesting for us to consider because in our minds, we can think about these different individuals and the land that they possess and the money that they own. And from a worldly standard, we could be amazed. But our our God wants us to take our, our minds away from the individuals in this world, and to consider how much he owns. And in in the book of Psalms, chapter 50, I just want to read for us two, well, three verses. We could read the whole chapter, but for the sake of time, I just want to read for us verses 10 through 12. It says this, The Lord is speaking... And he says, for every beast of the forest is mine. The cattle on a thousand hills. I know all the birds of the hills. And all that moves in the field is mine. If I were hungry, I would not tell you. Then listen to this. For the world and its fullness are mine. For the world and its fullness are mine. The Lord is proclaiming to everyone who will listen that no matter what you think you may own or that others may own, Ultimately, there is one owner, there is one possessor of heaven and earth. 
Yahweh, the one true and living God. So, although it is impressive to think of the 6.6 billion acres that the queen owned and that the, the royal family owns now, it is nothing in comparison with God's ownership of all things. This is a truth that is highlighted to us in today's passage, Genesis chapter 14, that the Lord owns everything. In Melchizedek's interaction with Abram, it is a point that is brought up more than once. So, for instance, in verse 19, when Melchizedek is blessing Abram, he says this, and he blessed him and said, Blessed be Abram by God most high, possessor of heaven and earth. He has the title deed for the earth and its fullness and heaven and its fullness. There isn't one star, there isn't one planet, there isn't one molecule in this world that he doesn't possess. He is the possessor. He is the owner. And it's interesting because not only does Melchizedek proclaim that incredible truth to Abram, Abram then proclaims that truth to the king of Sodom. Because in verse 22, it says, But Abram said to the king of Sodom, I have lifted my hand to Yahweh, the Lord, God most high, possessor of heaven and earth. And so as we consider today in Genesis chapter 14, Abram's response and his interaction with King Melchizedek, as well as his interaction with King, the king of Sodom, it was all undergirded and underpinned with an understanding that there's only one possessor of all things. There's only one true owner, and it is God. It is the Lord. And in, in a very real sense, Abram was trusting in God's provision, and that is what allowed him to have that kind of interaction and response to Melchizedek that he had. And in that deep trust in the Lord's possession of all things also became the foundation for the way that he interacted with the king of Sodom. And for us, it highlights the point that there is only one owner of all things, and it's the Lord. He owns everything. And just as a child in the royal family could trust that they would be provided for, just as King Charles's family could trust that he will provide for them, we who have trusted in Christ and are a part of the family of God can trust that he will provide for us. We can trust that he will provide and that will lead us 
to have a right response. And that's what we see happening in Abram's life. Two points for us to consider. The Lord owns everything. Trust that he has provided. And may that encourage us to give generously. We see that in verses 19 through 20. But not only that, in verses 21 through 24, we see that the Lord owns everything, trust that he will provide and be content. Trust that he will provide and be content. First of all, the Lord owns everything. Trust that he has provided and give generously. Verses 19 through 20. Once again, it's Melchizedek giving the blessing. And he blessed him and said, Blessed be Abram by God most high, possessor of heaven and earth. And blessed be God most high, who has delivered your enemies into your hand. And Abram gave him a tenth of Abram of everything. Now, once again, last week we considered it in Hebrews chapter 7, but I want to go over Hebrews chapter 7 once more to highlight how big of a deal this was for Abram to give a tenth of everything to Melchizedek. In Hebrews chapter 7, I'm just going to read the first 10 verses again, just to be a reminder to us of how significant this was. For this Melchizedek, king of Salem, priest of the Most High God, met Abraham returning from the slaughter of the kings and blessed him. And to him, Abraham apportioned a tenth part of everything. He is first by translation of his name, king of righteousness. And then he is also king of Salem, that is king of peace. He is without father or mother or genealogy, having neither beginning of days nor end of life, but resembling the Son of God, he continues a priest priest forever. And then in verse 4, See how great this man was to whom Abraham the patriarch gave a tenth of the spoils. And those descendants of Levi who received the priestly office have a commandment in the law to take tithes from the people. That is from their brothers, though these are also are descended from Abraham. But this man who does not have his descent from them received tithes from Abraham and blessed him who had the promises. It is beyond dispute that the inferior is blessed by the superior. In the one case, tithes are received by mortal men. But in the other case, by one whom it is testified that he lives. One might even say that Levi himself, who receives tithes, paid tithes through Abraham, for he was still in the loins of his ancestor when Melchizedek met him. There's a lot that we could discuss from this passage, but the point that I want us to understand here is that Melchizedek gave a tenth of everything. That's where the term tithe comes from. He gave a tenth of the spoils to Melchizedek. And as we have considered in the last couple of weeks, that Melchizedek is a type of Christ. So in a very real sense, Abram was trusting the truth that the Lord owned everything. And since he could trust 
that God owned it, he could now give as unto him. As an act of worship. And for us, when we consider that the Lord owns everything and we trust in his provision, it can lead us to that act of worship to him as well. See, everything that Abram gave to Melchizedek was a gift that he had already received. And that was part of what the blessing was when Melchizedek talked to Abram. And blessed be God most high who has delivered your enemies into your hand. He was making the point to Abram that the victory that Abram experienced when he fought against those four kings didn't come from him. And so the spoil that he received as a result of winning that victory didn't come from him either. It was from the very hand of the Lord. And so as Abram gave a tenth. He was giving as unto the Lord. We have an illustration of this. In the book of 1 Chronicles 29. The last chapter of 1 Chronicles. When David provided gifts. For the building of the temple of the Lord. And I just want to read for us. A few verses starting in verse 10. Therefore David blessed the Lord in the presence of all the assembly. And David said, Blessed are you, O Lord, the God of Israel, our Father, forever and ever. Yours, O Lord, is the greatness and the power and the glory and the victory and the majesty. And then listen to this. For all, all that is in the heavens and in the earth is Yours. Yours is the kingdom, O Lord, and you are exalted as head above all. Both riches and honor come from you. And you rule over all. In your hand are power and might. And in your hand it is to to make great and to give strength to all. And now we thank you, our God, and praise your glorious name. But who am I? And what is my people that we should be able thus to offer willingly? For all things come from you and of your own. Have we given you? For we are strangers before you and sojourners, as all our fathers were. Our days on the earth are like a shadow and there is no abiding. O Lord, our God, all this abundance that we have provided for building you a house for your holy name comes from your hand and is all your own. I know, my God, that you test the heart and have pleasure in uprightness. In the uprightness of my heart, I have freely offered all these things. And now I have seen your people who are present here offering freely and joyously to you. O Lord, the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Israel, our fathers, keep forever such purposes and thoughts in the hearts of your people and direct their hearts toward you. 
Grant to Solomon, my son, a whole heart that he may keep your commandments, your testimonies and your statutes, performing all, and that he may build the palace for which I have made provision. This is incredible. David wasn't allowed to build the temple because he was a man of war, but it was in his heart to build the temple. And so he stockpiled gold and silver and cedars and all of this stuff, and he gave it unto the Lord. And and he led the people of Israel, and they gave unto the Lord. And do you see how many times in David's prayer he highlights that it's all the Lord's anyways? It's all yours. And so now we are just giving back to you what you have already provided for us. In order to do that, it takes trust. We have to trust. We have to trust that the Lord is the one who provides. And when we trust that he is the one who meets our needs, we don't meet our own needs. It all comes from his hand. Then we can generously give, but not give as unto a particular person or even to a particular church or anything, but give as unto the Lord. And that's what Abram did to Melchizedek. See, everything that we have in our lives, every good and perfect gift, comes down from above, from the Father of lights, with whom there's no variation or shadow due to change. And the challenge is, is as Abram trusted the Lord to provide, and it spurred him on to give generously back to the Lord, may that be an encouragement to each of us. With whatever it is the Lord has provided. But there's a a certain sense, not only to give generously as an act of worship to the Lord, but also according to our means, according to how the Lord has provided for us. And we see that with Abram. It says, and Abram gave him a tenth of everything. Abram didn't give him what he didn't have to give. Or... Let me put it this way. Abram didn't give unto Melchizedek something that the Lord hadn't already provided for him, knowing that it was all of the Lord's anyways. This truth is illustrated for us in the book of 2 Corinthians, chapter 8, when the Holy Spirit through Paul is speaking of churches in Macedonia. In verse 3, he speaks about their giving. And he says, for they gave according to their means, as I can testify, and beyond their means of their own accord. But then if you go down to verse 12 in in, uh, 2 Corinthians chapter 8, in verse, um, yeah, Verse 12, I'm looking here quickly. There we go. 12 through 14. For if the readiness is there, it is acceptable according to what a person has, not according to what he does not have. 
For I do not mean that others should be eased and you burdened, but that as a matter of fairness, your abundance at the present time should supply their need so that their abundance may supply your need, that there may be fairness. As it is written, whoever gathered much had nothing left over and whoever gathered little had no lack. When it comes to giving as unto the Lord, to tithing, the Lord isn't expecting us to give more than what, more than what we can. He is a portion to each of us, a portion. And according to the means that the Lord has provided for us, an act of worship to him is to give back what he has already entrusted to us. So not only when we trust that the Lord will provide, will it lead us to give generously as worship to him according to our means. But, and this I believe is really at the core of, it, of this whole thing, from a willing heart. From a willing heart. And we see that from Melchizedek's interaction with Abram. There was nothing in what Melchizedek told to Abram where Melchizedek was demanding Abram to give him a tenth of everything. Melchizedek simply blessed Abram. And as Abram received and understood that blessing that was being bestowed on him from this priest of God Most High, a type of Christ, his heart was so moved that out of a willing heart he wanted to give. We see this once again in 2 Kings chapter 12, an illustration of this. In 2 Kings chapter 12, verses 4 through 16. And this is a time in Israel's history where there was repairs that were needed for the temple. Because it had gone uh, by, it, it had just been left without maintenance for a long time. And so it says this, Jehoash who is the king, said to the priest, all the money of the holy things that is brought into the house of the Lord, the money for which each man is assessed, the money from the assessment of persons, and the money that a man's heart prompts him to bring into the house of the Lord. Let the priest take each from his donor and let them repair the house Wherever any need of repairs is discovered. But by the 23rd year of King Jehoash, the priest had made no repairs on the house. Therefore, King Jehoash summoned Jehoiada the priest and the other priests and said to them, Why are you not repairing the house? Now, therefore, take no more money from your donors, but hand it over for the repair of the house. So the priests agreed that they should take no more money from the people and that they should not repair that they should not repair the house. Then Jehoiada the priest took a chest and bored a hole in the lid of it and set it beside the altar on the right side as one entered the house of the Lord. 
And the priest who guarded the threshold put in it all the money that was brought into the house of the Lord. And whenever they saw that there was much money in the chest, the king's secretary and the high priest came and they bagged and counted the money that was found in the house of the Lord. Then they would give the money that was weighed out into the hands of the workmen who had the oversight of the house of the Lord, and they paid it out to the carpenters and the builders who worked on the house of the Lord, and to the masons and the stone cutters, as well as to buy timber and quarried stone for making repairs on the house of the Lord, and for an outlay for the repairs of the house. But there was not made for the house of the Lord basins of silver, snuffers, bowls, trumpets, or any vessel of gold, or of silver from the money that was brought into the house of the Lord. For that was given to the workmen who were repairing the house of the Lord with it. And they did not ask for an accounting from the men into whose hand they delivered the money to pay out to the workmen, for they dealt honestly. The money from the guilt offerings and the money from the sin offerings was not brought into the house of the Lord. It belonged to the priests. So the work on the house of the Lord needed to be done and it wasn't being done. And so Jehoiada the priest, he took a chest and bored a hole in the lid. And as people came to worship in the temple, they would put their offerings there. And then the money was distributed to the workmen and they did that work. But... A key point from this passage here is in verse 4. Let the priest take each from his donor and let uh, in verse, well, yeah, in verse 4. All the money of the holy things that is brought into the house of the Lord, the money for which each man is assessed, the money from the assessment of persons, and the money that a man's heart prompts him to bring into the house of the Lord. We have the wonderful privilege of giving as unto the Lord from a heart that has been overwhelmed by His blessings and by His greatness and by His incredible love. And we've considered some of His blessings over the last couple of weeks, even as we saw how Melchizedek blessed Abram. We have been the recipients of God's blessings. And now, as a privilege and an honor, we can give back unto Him. And you know what motivates that? is the gospel, is the good news of our dear Lord Jesus. And why do I say that? I say that because in 2 Corinthians chapter 8 and 9, when the Holy Spirit through Paul is talking to the Corinthian church about giving, at the very core of it, in 2 Corinthians chapter 8, verse 9, it says this, For you know the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ, that though he was rich, Yet for your sake he became poor, so that you by his poverty might become rich. The king of kings, who possesses and owns all things, who is the most wealthy person in eternity, came to this earth as a baby 
born in a manger. Born and placed in a feeding trough for animals. And as he lived on this earth, he never owned a home. He went from place to place staying with people. And his poverty was brought to the utter climax that at his death, they took his garment. And he had nothing as he died. He became poor. And what does it say? That though he was rich, yet for your sake, because of his great love for us, he became poor. And then here's the end of it. So that you, by his poverty, might become rich. The righteousness of God accounted to us and all of the wealth of eternity accounted to us because of what our Savior has done. And as we consider His great grace and love and mercy, it stirs up our hearts to give. Just as Abram gave to Melchizedek, For us to give to the Lord as an act of worship, according to our means, and from a willing heart. See, the Lord owns everything. Trust him to provide. Trust that he has provided and give generously. But trust also that he will provide and be content. We see that in Abram's interaction with the king of Sodom. And the king of Sodom said to Abram, give me the persons, but take the goods for yourself. So the king of Sodom said, you know what, Abram, you can just take and keep the spoils of war. Which in a lot of ways, he he deserved. Because on a human level, it was Abram who won that victory. But in verse 22, Abram said to the king of Sodom, I have lifted my hand to Yahweh, God most high, possessor of heaven and earth, that I would not take a thread or a sandal strap or anything that is yours, lest you should say, I have made Abram rich. I will take nothing But what the young men have eaten and the share of the men who went with me, let Aner, Eshkal, and Mamre take their share. What an opportunity for Abram to grow his wealth. We know that he received a lot of wealth when he was in Egypt and in really a not so good way, he ended up receiving a lot of wealth from Pharaoh there in Egypt. But now, as he has grown in his walk with the Lord and in his faith and in his trust with the Lord, he is presented with another opportunity to receive, but it was from the king of Sodom, which the text has already told us that the 
The city of Sodom was full of wickedness. And so for Abram, instead of pouncing on this opportunity, he trusted the Lord. He trusted in God Most High, the possessor of heaven and earth. He trusted that the Lord would continue to provide for all of his needs. And he refused to compromise with this wicked king. And he was content with what the Lord had provided. First Timothy chapter 6, verses 6 through 10, it says this. But godliness with contentment is great gain. For we brought nothing into the world, and we cannot take anything out of the world. But if we have food and clothing, with these we will be content. But those who desire to be rich fall into temptation, into a snare, into many senseless and harmful desires that plunge people into ruin and destruction. For the love of money is a root of all kinds of evil. It is through this craving that some have wandered away from the faith and pierced themselves with many pains. That is a a powerful truth. It is through this craving, a love for money, that some have even wandered away from the faith and pierced themselves with many pains. This was illustrated in the book of 2 Kings by the servant of Elisha. Gehazi. See, Elisha was called upon, and uh, Naaman, who was the uh, uh, the general of the king of the army of the king of Syria, had leprosy, and he came over to Israel. And long story short, Elisha told him to go down to the river and and dip in it, that he would be clean. And he finally did. He went into, the, went into the Jordan and he dipped. I think it was ten times and he was clean. Seven times and he was, his flesh was restored. And he was going to give money as an offering to Elisha. Elisha refused it. But Elisha's servant, Gehazi, became greedy. And I just want to read this quickly. Then he returned to the man of God, he and all his company, in verse 15 of 2 Kings chapter 5. Then he returned to the man of God, he and all his company, and he came and stood before him and he said, uh, well, here, I'll, I'll start in verse 19. He said to him, go in peace. But when Naaman had gone from him a short distance, Gehazi, the servant of Elisha, the man of God, said, See, my master has spared this Naaman, the Syrian, in not accepting from his hand what he brought. As the Lord lives, I will run after him and get something from him. So Gehazi followed Naaman, and when Naaman saw someone running after him, he got down from the chariot to meet him and said, Is all well? And he said, All is well, my master. 
Oh, all is well. My master has sent me to say, there have just now come to me from the hill country of Ephraim, two young men of the sons of the prophets. Please give them a talent of silver and two changes of clothing. And Naaman said, be pleased to accept two talents. And he urged him and tied up two talents of silver in two bags with two changes of clothing and laid them on two of his servants and they carried them before Gehazi. And when he came to the hill, he took them from their hand and put them in the house and he sent the men away and they departed. He went in and stood before his master and Elisha said to him, where have you been Gehazi? And he answered, your servant went nowhere. But he said to him, did not my heart go when the man turned from his chariot to meet you? Was it a time to accept money and garments, olive orchards and vineyards, sheep and oxen, male servants and female servants? Therefore, the leprosy of Naaman shall cling to you and to your descendants forever. So he went out from his presence a leper like snow. What an illustration of this truth. For the love of the money is a root of all kinds of evil. It is through this craving that some have wandered away from the faith and pierced themselves with many pains. Gehazi pierced himself with many pains because of his love of money. A lack of contentment. Abram trusted in the truth that there's one owner of all things, the Lord, the possessor of heaven and earth, and he trusted in him. He trusted him to provide. And rooted in that trust, it led him to give generously as unto the Lord when he gave a tenth to Melchizedek. And rooted in that trust, he was content and unwilling to compromise for the love of money. You see, if we were a part of the royal family, we would trust that they would take care of us. We who are a part of the family of God can trust that our Father, the King of kings and the Lord of lords will take care of us and that he will continue to provide. And, and yes, there is the responsibility to work hard and all of these things that we see in Scripture that are laid out. Even Paul said, a man who will not work should not eat. And so, so many other things. But ultimately, at the end of the day, it is the Lord who provides for us. May we trust Him in a deeper way and may it lead us to give generously. And not only to give generously, but to be content with what he has provided. And not compromise out of a love for money.
Father, we thank you for your word. We thank you. We thank you so much for Melchizedek's interaction with Abram. And we thank you for how Abram's trust was in you. And it led him to give to Melchizedek, but to give as unto you. And in his interaction with the king of Sodom to, um, to, to not compromise because he was resting and trusting in you and content in you. Father, I pray that that will be true in our lives. That you will lead us as a church to generously give. And that we, as your children, will be content. And Father, we thank you. And it's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen.